Hello and welcome to the Empathy for Breakfast show. I am Mimi Nicklin and I am your host of a show that travels the world, talking to people from all corners of our planet about empathy, about our ability to connect and to understand each other and how that is changing our world. These conversations won't only unpack the amazing power of empathy in our societies and our businesses, but they will remind us that we are all far more alike than we are different. I believe that there has never been a better time to talk about empathy, to talk about our need to reconnect as people, as human beings. The more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. So let's get talking. Hello and welcome back to Empathy for Breakfast. Thank you for joining us today. Today, my guest is Jessie Akista, who is a strength and rehabilitation coach and the founder of the most amazing project out there called The Shiro Life. Jessie uses a holistic approach to fitness to help people out of pain and into their potential. And I think we're going to have a fantastic discussion about how we link empathy for ourselves and the world into our fitness regimes, our health regimes and our overall wellness. So Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You are very, very welcome. So let's kick off, Jesse, with the same question I ask everyone that joins me for breakfast. What does empathy mean to you? What do you understand by the word empathy? So uh, empathy to me is um, understanding and um, perceiving emotion, uh, I would believe. So um, it's being able to perceive emotion and how that's affecting other people and then being able to sense that in yourself as well. Absolutely. Totally agrees about being able to sense what we're feeling and acknowledging who we are mm-hmm. um, as people. Um, I would imagine that in your work, you know, you're talking about this quite often, how we feel, how we perceive ourselves, what we need. What have you seen in terms of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, and that and perhaps for ourselves, because that's really where you specialize as a coach. How has our empathy for ourselves and for others changed in the last 12 months when our worlds have been so, so thrown upside down? I, I think a lot of people have really been forced inward. There is this, by being forced into isolation and being alone, there was this, for some people, like for everyone, that was incredibly difficult. Um, But what I have noticed was this trend of people realizing um, we can't distract ourselves right now. So we have to look at how can we support ourselves better when we can't go and run outside and like keep ourselves super busy all the time. Um, So for some people that becomes really difficult because they don't have the tools for how to self-support. But it's I've seen a trend for people then reaching out for help, which has been amazing. So a higher self-awareness of what people need and and therefore going out to find it, I guess. Exactly. Realizing that it was a need and that it was something that we don't have as a skill possibly. And then there was so much and there's still so much that's available. And I love that the work that you're doing is that people are now putting out so much content to help people. So now that people are looking for it, it's there. And that's amazing. It is so amazing, isn't it? I mean, I think there's been so many sad parts of the pandemic, but the connectivity to new people that can add to our lives and help us build our lives, certainly for me, 
has been has been a great area of improvement and just connectivity in the world which yeah yes. which has just been such a wonderful asset right oh. i i would love to hear your opinion on jesse is you know in the world today we see such a focus on self-improvement you know taller thinner whatever a hundred different things fitter stronger whatever i feel like as women we're just told all the time a hundred new ways to be a better version of who we already are do you agree is there too much of a focus on self-improvement and what is the difference in your work particularly in the shiro life between self-improvement and and self-empathy i love this question so much because i was writing about this like a few days ago and the difference is um one comes from a mindset of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. So I have to fix myself. I have to be better. I have to be fitter. I have to be thinner. I have to be whatever it is that will make me feel that I'm good enough um, or make me fit in with society or the expectations that other people have of me. The other comes from a mindset and a state of love. I I'm training because my body deserves it, because it makes me feel good, because I can enjoy my life with my kids. Uh, And then that comes from that state of empathy and love and care for self versus that mindset of just not being enough. What an absolutely beautiful way of expressing it. for, for the audience, when I first met Jessie, we were on a panel discussion together and we were talking about um, sort of women's power in the workplace and in the world and, and how we are our wellest selves as women. And this is something that really struck me, Jessie, about your work and, and your experience is this idea of fitness and rehabilitation and, and a world without pain as a symbol of love for yourself. You know, it's not something we have to endure. This is something that we have control over and that we as women and men can can really bring that strength and that passion back to looking after ourselves. Yes, yes. Oh, it makes me so happy that that came across to you. <laughs> it did, it totally did. Mm. Uh, but having said all of that, it's really tough. And I mm. think I, I may have said that panel when we met that for me, I find it very difficult with my current working life, my personal life to fit in much time for me. Mm. Um, even though I you know, fully value and, and agree with all of those principles. Mm-hmm. For women like me, who are failing at this, let's say, but for women like me and for you know, all the other women out there, what do you think the greatest barriers are for us really understanding each other? Why do we not connect with each other and with ourselves more often? Why do we live these lives of pain and not get ourselves out of that cycle more quickly? Um, I think the first reason is um, it's easier to be in what we know than what we don't know. So it's easier to live in a state of disease and pain. It's easier to live in discomfort and the place where our boundaries are being crossed in relationships that we don't, that don't make up, help us thrive because it's what we know. It's very scary to take those first steps to change. Uh, that would be, that's, that's the reason why most people don't make that first step. And I think that's why as coaches the role is to create a safe space so that people can start making those small changes and i mean i talk a lot in my work as well you know about us being creatures of habit um and they might change and and you know you talk there a little bit about fear and and maybe that's a, a reality you know how many women do you come across who are scared to get fit is that is that a real thing time. are people nervous all the time oh good it's Good news. <laughs> All the time. Like if you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I'm scared to go to the gym. It can be, I'm scared because I ha- every time I go, I get hurt. I'm scared because people are going to look at me funny and I'm not fit enough to go. I'm scared because like I can't fit in the clothes. Like 
there's so many levels. And then there's the, what if I go and I fail? Absolutely. I think that latter one is definitely mine. You know, what if I go and I'm not as good as everyone else? What if I can't run everyone else? You know, all, all of those things. I think that they're, they're such real realities yeah. that we all think around with each other. So, I mean, what we're talking about, yes, we're talking about self-empathy, but we're also just talking about general emotional well-being you know we're talking about strength and trust we're talking about capacity to change we're talking about confidence like you said you know to overcome the fear of getting fit again or getting back out there um so in your courses and in the shiro life um and, and all the work you're doing out there you know what is the role of emotional or mental well-being as part of our overall health i know you feel quite passionate about this what's the balance in the way I look at it, we have two bodies. We have our emotional body and our physical body. So your physical body is like, I'm moving, I'm eating, I'm sleeping, I'm getting sunlight, I'm drinking water. Like, you know, your physical body. Our emotional body is that unconscious part of our body that and our our brain. It's not head. It's the It's that energy that moves in us that is emotion. Entomology of the word emotion comes from the Latin energy in motion. And we create stories around it, but right at the base level, it's energy moving in our body that needs to move. So our ability to recognize that, recognize when it's shifting our physical state, because when we sense fear, for example, it changes how we breathe, it changes our heart rate, it changes how our body physically moves. So if we're in a state of that's highly aroused all the time, which a lot of the people I work with are, when you're a mom who's working all the time and you're constantly being, you're having your energy and your time demanded of you, there's very little time for you to be down and really in a relaxed uh, parasympathetic nervous system state. You'll end up aroused. It changes how you move. It changes how you interact with the world. Absolutely. And I, I love that you brought up that the parasympathetic state. I actually have a chapter in my book called The Parasympathetic Cogs. Mm -hmm. um, and I took what you're just saying to, to empathy as well, because uh, from a scientific point of view, as you said, when you're in that always on high stress, fight or flight mode, there's very little that's well about mm -hmm. us uh, because, you know, adrenaline and cortisol flying through our body. And actually being in that state of rest or just, you know, state of neutrality where you're not in a, in a, mm -hmm. a state of stress. So hugely beneficial for our, our well-being overall and I know for me certainly I have sort of chronic neck and shoulder pain which comes from high stress not anything else you know it's it's a physical manifestation of the stress in my environment yeah and um, so how do we overcome some of those things Jesse so obviously we'll talk at the end about uh, some of your upcoming courses and camps that people can join but if they're far away and you know, I have listeners all over the world so the chances of them training with you anytime soon in person is, is unlikely mm -hmm. what a couple of things they do to take you up on some of that advice some of that balance some of that forward momentum yeah um so i think the first thing is I, you mentioned this in the panel discussion you talked about self-awareness being that first thing and being able to notice when your state is changing so for most of us it's being out of pause and go oh is my heart rate being is raising am i breathing differently in this situation and then just with the awareness of that, you can start taking steps. Do I need to just stop and remove myself from this situation for just a moment? Do I need to take a few deep breaths and give myself the space to take a different action? So once we notice that our state is changing, then we can make decisions on what we want to do about it. So when I'm training clients, I will use the warm up. So there's 
movements in a warm up. But instead of saying you have to perform it this way, I say this is your inquiry into your body. Whilst you're doing this, I want you to ask yourself what's present for me today? What am I feeling? What does my body tell me that it needs? And from there, you can make a decision. Maybe you feel like really training hard and sweating. Maybe you feel like putting some music on and just dancing. And maybe you want to scream. Maybe you want to punch a wall, like all of those things are okay, but you've got to give your body exactly what it needs in that moment. I wanted to touch on what you mentioned about that you know that the stress in your shoulders or the pain in your shoulders and your neck is emotional pain. And that's one thing that I'm so passionate about because people think I have pain in my shoulders, like I have an injury. Um, and I'll tell you a story because last Last week, I'm in a relationship at the moment and my partner is amazing, but um, we're working through some stuff and it brought up a whole heap of emotional things for me about security and safety and other things. And I have had my whole back has just seized up for the whole week. I was like in so much pain and I know it's not the way I'm training. I know I haven't done anything different at the gym. So a lot of clients come to me and say, my back hurts. Oh, it's because I deadlifted, it's because I did this, it's because I did that. If you have been in pain for an extended period of time, it's very rarely tissue damage. There are much greater factors involved. I ended up changing how I was moving that day. I did a tissue release, focusing on where I knew that I was holding the tension and ended up bawling my eyes out on the gym floor for 30 minutes. But my body needed to release that emotion and it was the most like freeing, like the pain was literally gone after I'd done that, but I had to make a space for it. So often people will go in and they feel pain and then they stop or they feel emotion come up and they try and shut it back down. And we need to learn to, oh, I have an emotion. And rather than going, I have an emotion, I don't want to feel it because it's a bad thing. Get inquisitive. What is it, this feeling in my body? What does it feel like? What does it look like? What does, what's, does it have a temperature? Does it have a color? Like really get inquisitive about the sensation and allow it to move. And when it becomes a sensation versus a thing that makes me uncomfortable that I don't want to feel, and it's an emotion that we've named and given a story, that is, that it comes from that negative place. But when we come from that empathy and self-love, we go, oh, this is just a sensation my body needs to feel and express right now. We're going to come to a close because it's gone already. It always does, these 20 minutes. But I want to end with my final question because I want the show to also give people a glimpse into the lives of my guests. So it's not just about understanding bigger picture, but also who is Jessie? So last question, if you could share breakfast with any one person or people, who would it be? Where would you go? And what would you be having? When I read this question, I was like, oh my God. Um, Because the first thing was like, I just thought it'd be my partner. (laughs) Because we have have like no time together and just every moment that we have is treasured. And I think the way the world has been this last year is that it's forced us to appreciate the relationships that we do have uh, and how much we need to invest in them. So that's my first thought. And then if it was someone famous... I think I stayed up thinking about this for half the night last night. 
and then if it was someone famous, I think um, I would want to have breakfast with Brene Brown and Esther Perel. I don't know if you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure Brene Brown is a vulnerability researcher and she's an incredible storyteller and she just ha- seems like so much fun. And Esther Perel is a psychotherapist who works with couples and she has um, some incredible books about relationships and uh, she's got her book Mating in Captivity, essentially looking at the, the challenges of relationships and I feel like they would be amazing to have in a room together. <laughs> <laughs> just pick their brains. No, that's a great answer. I mean, Brené Brown, I think, yeah, absolutely. I'm also a huge fan of, of her work. And I think, I mean, if not anything else, she's definitely going to, she's going to inspire you, but she's also going to make you laugh yes. because that lady has one hell of a sense of humour. So I, lo- I love her. So, Jessie, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to just sum up in one sentence where everyone can find you to find out a little bit more? And just mention very briefly your Fitter Ramadan training camp that I know is coming up soon. Great. Uh, so you can find us on uh, theshirolife.com and we're on Instagram at theshirolife and I'm at Jessie Akerster. You can find us in all those places. The Fitter Ramadan camp. So we have created on uh, in-person group training to facilitate everything that I talk about. It's physical training and understanding training principles so you can support yourself in the gym and layering it with coaching on everything from like nutrition and sort of lifestyle stuff to getting in touch with your emotions, making space for that side of your life. So that is all layered into our eight-week training camp. And for Ramadan, we're doing a four-week edition, which is a little bit less intensity and it's more focused on self-care. So anyone who lives in the Middle East knows like Ramadan can get a little crazy. If you're fasting, you're trying to manage like socializing with the fasting and there's all these family commitments and all of those other things. Um, Plus you've got your jobs and everything else. And then obviously for everyone else, like the month just is like a weird, crazy month where everything's different. So I wanted to create something where we're, we're moving and we're in connection with other women and we are also just focusing on that self-care for the four weeks. Well, there you go. I mean, I can't think of a better way to spend Ramadan because, as you said, it, it's a, a very different experience. It's one month in the year that is nothing like mm-hmm. the other 11. So go and check out Jessica Kista. I think we've had just such a brief conversation on so many really big, deep conversations, uh, relevant to women, relevant to men, relevant to us all, you know, looking a little bit more at self-empathy and health and wellness, how we move out of this perpetual state of pain and move far more close to our potential. So, Jesse, thank you for joining us today and for everyone that's tuning in. Thank you for coming to Breakfast and I will look forward to speaking to you again soon. Have a great day. And with that, another episode of the Empathy for Breakfast show comes to a close. I would like to thank IQ Films, who produced this episode, and DJ Ciel for my soundtrack and music. Do join me online to carry on the conversation. I'm incredibly active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter at Mimi Nicklin. I would love to talk to you all more. Meanwhile, spread the word, share the empathy, because after all, the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. I'm Mimi Nicklin. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you again on the Empathy for Breakfast show.